0: Alrighty, we're back here with episode 5 of Beyond the Dirt Podcast. Today we're going to jump into the watershed projects, and this is kind of part number 2. We talked about the Turkey River Headwaters Project earlier, and now we're going to jump into the Silver Creek uh, Watershed Project and basically turn it right on over to Neil. And uh, We're going to skip over what a watershed is because we're going to make you listen to the one before this, and then hopefully there's a test out there. We'll see how smart you guys really truly are. So... Neil, take it on over and tell us about the Silver Creek project and what you got going. Okay, so in uh, the previous episode, we
1: talked about how we select watersheds and things. So, as far as the history of, of what I've been doing, you know, I've been here at the Water um, Soil and Water Conservation District for 20 going on 21 years. And so, my first watershed project was um, two Huck 12s up in the northwest part of Howard County. It was the uh, Staff Creek and Beaver Creek. And they're both tributaries, the upper Iowa River. And we also like kind of filled in along the state line, um, the remainder of that, those watersheds that uh, so we, um, you know, crossing county lines is one thing, but when you're crossing into state, different states, it gets pretty complicated and trying to do programs and stuff. So we just soon, um, we cut it off at the state line just for that reason. But anyway, we were in that watershed for seven years. And our goal in that watershed in a uh, was to uh, reduce uh, phosphorus and uh, Nitrates by 45%, which we were able to do with. Um, I think we ended up doing about 300 different practices working with 70 landowners and. Um, um, so that that so that kind of consumed my, my time for about seven years. So the funding sources for these uh, we talked a little bit about the two different funding sources. Um, main ones uh, either through the state of Iowa. Um, my other one um, just happened to be um, it's Iowa DNR section 319. Um, so where that originates from is the EPA of all places. Um, through the, the national funding of the Environmental Protection Agency, they have a bureau that is called the 319 section uh, water quality. So that money is uh, sent to the Iowa DNR and then uh, from there, it sent. They work with idols, and it sent down to the district. So, um, so that was my funding source for that first project that I had. Um, and then for about three years, we had another funding source through the state, which was uh, were watershed improvement review board funding. Um, that that it's no longer funded anymore. But anyway, so those were my two major funding sources. Um, but uh, as far as like, how do we we go about selecting? Um, How Silver Creek ended up being selected so with these um, and I like the funding source of the Iowa um, DNR section 319 Um, they usually have a pretty uh, sound amount of money that comes to the state of Iowa and uh, It it, it does pay for some of those big ticket items but what it has to do is that you have to have an an impairment and we've talked a little bit about the Iowa DNR 303 D list which lists each water body in Iowa that has an impairment and for this particular, uh, Silver Creek had an impairment for bacteria. There was water monitoring done through the years, where it ended up having um, high, high levels of bacteria. So there we had our, our water, water um, resource concern. So the, the idea was to write that watershed management plan. Um, I've, I've mentioned Dave Puffer in the past. He was private coordinator, worked for the district for a few years here um, back in the 2000s. And um, when he was writing a watershed management plan for the Lake Hendricks watershed project, um, that um, that was like the first time um, a project coordinator had actually written one. These, these documents are tremendous. Um, You could actually, for, for a DNR uh, planning grant, part of what you're doing is writing this watershed management plan. It's, it's a big document. Um, I'm, I was fortunate. The upper Iowa's had a lot of research done. So there's a lot of, of of, uh, resources I could go to to help write this this document. And uh, once that document was written, then we submit it to the EPA and they have to approve what we're doing and we put our goals in there and what the practices and kind of stuff we're going to be doing. So um, that was the reason the Silver Creek was selected, um, was because we had that impairment. So so yeah, so I, I have the 319 funding. I also have um within the project the different things that pray, pay for the practices um we've got like the equip crp wspf which is the watershed protection fund that's a idles program uh, funding comes from the state with that i use that money to uh re, reshape waterways um and um, terraces and things like that um the, and like i said the iowa dnr 319 that pays for anything that's related to the bacteria reductions whether it's Agway systems working with livestock, um, the septic systems that we had added to the project. So upgrading septic systems so that they have leach fields and all the proper um, uh, filtering systems. Um, and then uh, the IFIP, that's the Iowa Financial Incentive Program. That's our regular state program, which is available in every county in the state of Iowa. Um, and that would be same thing for waterways, um, terraces, um, things like that. Um, and then. Uh, so I always, when we're talking about watershed projects, so Hunter and I, we have these ledgers. We keep track of all of our practices, how much they, how much they cost, all the, the incentive dollars, how much landowner puts in. So you can kind of have, keep track of that percentage of, of all the funding. And what I like to do is I call it leveraging. So I take my project dollars, which is the 319 and the WSPF, and leverage that with other federal programs, whether it's CRP, equipment, things like that. So there's like this project versus non-project funding sources. Um, so I don't know. In the project world, it's kind of a big deal. Um, you don't notice that as a, a producer when you come in. Although uh, usually our project dollars have some enhanced rates um, compared to the rest of the county. Um, and then as far as like determining those uh, impairments, like in Hunter's Project the Water Quality Initiative, they are trying to reduce nutrients, primarily nitrates and phosphorus. So that's where his comes into play. So I always say I've got my main uh, resource concern in Silver Creek, which is that bacteria impairment with three sub um, impairments and that'd be sedimentation, phosphorus and nitrates. So then you have to have these goals. So our goal is um, the, the primary thing is to get that off the 303D list. And that is all contingent upon our water monitoring and seeing how that bacteria is reacting Um, uh, levels are reacting to all the practices that we're installing. So that that uh, is going in the right direction. We're not quite there yet to where um, we've talked about it before. Is like how much interaction you have with the water being. This is a sub watershed of the upper Iowa. The upper Iowa River is one of the most um, destined um, water recreation water bodies in the state of Iowa in the Midwest, actually um, for all the canoeing, fishing, swimming and and, uh, tubing and stuff like that goes on. So. um, So that that's kind of one of our our main goals. Um, We also keep track of all these other nutrients and sedimentation. Um, We have a a, we have a uh, calculator. It's called the pollution reduction calculator. So we take every practice that we do and there's uh, several parameters that we take um, note of and put into this calculator and then that spits out this reduction in how much sediment is reaching the stream from the practice. So obviously, if you have a waterway that's like dumping right into the stream compared to one that's like two miles away from the stream, uh, that sediment's going to get there eventually, but it takes a lot longer. So we have this, it, it spits out uh, all that information, but we also were able to keep track of how much phosphorus and, and nitrates also um, are being reduced. So that's kind of a nice uh, reporting um, mechanism. And we'll talk about that a little bit here about the reporting. Um, But uh, one of the main things and when you're designing these watershed management plans is what are the practices that you're going to use and Hunter talked about doing the planning grant where you're you're doing these assessments and one of the other assessments we didn't really touch on was that human aspect. Um, uh, It's called a social survey. Uh, Jackie Comito helped me with she's from the Iowa Learning Farms. She helped me with um, setting up the questionnaire that we sent out to the survey to the people on the, in the watershed. And not only do we ask what is a watershed and we get a lot of interesting answers, but we also, um, ask, Hey, what are, what are your concerns? What's your resource concerns? What are some practices that you would be interested in? And obviously grass waterways, like Hunter said, always comes out as one of the top ones, um, cover crops, um, CRP buffer strips and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, so that's a big part of it. So we get this result, plus just with our experience and the different practices. I mean, we've been, um, you know, I've kind of headed up the CRP efforts in the county since I started back in 2001. So we have an idea of the practices that people like the buffer strips and some of those in the grass waterways. And then now with the whole cover crop revolution going on, um, that, that now is huge. Um, like, and I think we mentioned that when we had the, the the uh, um, podcast about cover crops was this was something that we didn't you will read my entire watershed management plan there was nothing in there about cover crops and it's got to the point where now we actually asked for um this was pretty cool so we had um several people that were waiting on a waiting list to get their cover crops um in the silver creek watershed uh, for one reason or another and uh, so i talked to my agency um people and they um I I said, hey, could I use some of these funds for um, cover crops? So we were able to uh, shovel some money out the door quickly. Um, We have about uh, 3000 acres uh, additional this fall um, in a pretty uh, speak about rapid fire. I think we ran around and got those filled in in about three days. And uh, so we got some we got some cover crops on the ground that would not have happened had we not shifted some monies around. So yeah, so that's kind of a cool thing so that like I said wasn't even mentioned originally. So these these projects do evolve over time Um, You know cover crops is obviously the biggest Change or well the other thing too was the septic system. I did not have septic um, Upgrades in my original watershed management plan. So about three four years into the project um, We were having one of my annual reviews and speaking with my agency people um, you know, what's one of the um, sources of bacteria not only is it cattle and manure, but it's also a faulty and outdated. Um, uh, up, not up to code septic systems that you know on some of these farms and farmsteads um, throughout the watershed. So we uh, we revamped the watershed management plan to include that, and we I think today we've done about twenty three septic system upgrades. So we take that uh, that uh, out of out of code. Um, way they're handling their septic and run it through a a leach field which filters that water before it gets into the to the water sources.
0: When you were uh, were putting that um, watershed management (coughs) plan together was there a timeline as far as hey we wrote let's just say for instance say you wrote in 2000 did all these practices add up where say you had like a 10-year plan that if we can get all these practices installed Mm -hmm. we'll have the impairment taken yep. care of was that it was it was actually
1: what they would do is it at that time it was a two-stage project you had your stage one and your stage two so you had to go through and you had to kind of like we said using these assessments and where cattle and things were um we had planned to do i believe we were going to plan to do five ag waste projects in the first um three years and then in the second three years we were going to do five more or I can't, it might have been five years each. But um, right now we're in year 13 and we found that the the interest in the practices and the amount of, of, of best management practices we're putting on land has just continued to grow every year. And we haven't quite got our impairment taken care of. And one of the changes that the IODNR um, section 319 program has come about is they're not going to leave watershed until we get that impairment done so we're uh or get the to get that water body off the 303 d list and they've been successful in a few projects around the state so that's our ultimate goal Um, so every year we're we're you know pushing the envelope to try to get more more and more and i think we're up to about 11 ag waste projects that we've done now Um, and uh like i said 23 septic systems and things like that but they all kind of are uh go hand in hand um, like talking about the, the reason we asked for the, the cover crop through 319 is um, for a lot of these farmers that are spreading manure and we're able to put that cover crop on there. You know, we've talked about using some of that remnant um, leftover nutrients that the crop hasn't used that year. Well, by using cover crops on some of these fields where they're applying manure, the same thing happens. You're able to hold some of that nitrogen, um, nutrient phosphorus you're not uh, doing the tillage that you normally would so you're holding that sediment in place and uh, so there's some multiple benefits there um, but as far as like those timelines um, so like I said we're in year 13 um, the other thing in, in hunter talk the the w, wqi projects are still kind of on that three-year basis um, what we do is every year um, for a while there we were doing the same thing we kind of First year, you get your money, so you're kind of relaxed. You're kind of doing your stuff. 2nd year you're really impl- in, uh, implementing it. Then it's like, wow, we got to like be thinking about writing another um, practice, uh, planning. Oh, let's see. We have a power plan. It'll work. Plan, <laughs> practice, and oh, good lord. I'm going to have to do brush Mark, up on my coffee. It's called PIP. P-I-P anyway so we write that and that's how we get our funding source and it was usually for the next practice three years implementation practice implementation plan there yeah he's not even my watershed project he knows this stuff but that's okay we'll work on those it's too early in the morning but um, anyway uh, so now we kind of do that annually so we're we're always uh, submitting for what additional practices um, we kind of that way we're, we're we can fine tune it a little bit. Sometimes thinking out three years is kind of a long time. And like I said, like the cover crop phenomena has really exploded. So we wouldn't even have that in there. So that it's given us a lot more flexibility. Um, so um, but, you know, uh, it's kind of interesting with this 319 being as a federally funded program. When I first started as a watershed coordinator, so I, I mean, I'm pretty green at this. And the reporting thing was pretty complicated in, in my mind because we had, the state portion of it had a state fiscal year, which runs July 1st to June 30th. The federal aspect of it, the 319 funding, ran on the federal calendar year, which is October 1 to September 30th. So then we had this, this uh, no man's land of July 1st to October 1st. So I, I had two sets of books I was still running off. My federal year, well, here about five, seven years ago, they they decided we're putting everything on the state state uh, calendar so um so that got kind of complicated but um so so we do the annual report um in you know august of each year and then kind of see where we're at and then for my project we do our annual review which which is i do a powerpoint we get all of our um, information from the previous year we invite all of our agency staff commissioners um, leaders in the community to come to that And we kind of I do a a presentation for about an hour and then um, questions question answer after that. So anyway, that's kind of how our watershed projects work. And like Hunter said, the reporting monthly report to our commissioners quarterly I report to state um, DNR and idols. And then annually um, we do a report to idols and DNR, but I also do a report to the EPA. And that's a lot of that is pulled off of this pollution calculator. We go through and see how much um, nutrients and things we're we're reducing. Um, as far as like the budget, um, Hunter, you know, he's just took off with a bang. His first year having over a million dollars uh, obligated in that first year. Actually, it wasn't even the first year of the project. It was it was during that planning grant year, which most of the time you're just spending time planning what you're going to do. And he was already doing in the in the planning grant. So that was that was a good omen of what. Um, what's going to happen when he finally got his full blown project? So, um, so since my project began in 2012, um, well, actually it was 2011. Anyway, it's about just over $8 million we've invested in the watershed. Um, and like, you know, we were talking about the different sizes. My watershed is just one, uh, huck 12 It's 22,000 acres, uh, 17,000 acres of that is row crop. Of that 17,000 acres there's about twenty seven, twenty eight hundred acres that we've put into crp uh, primarily buffer strips and um, other uh, blocks of native prairie in that stream corridor um so almost every mile of that stream has been protected with some type of buffer strip or something and uh so um using that so adding up all those acres adding up all those dollars and we'll like crp that's 40 percent of my watershed project is crp but it's not the annual rental payments that the farmers receive it's actually the implementation it's the seeding it's the dozer cost for building those waterways and things like that um and
0: i'm gonna jump in real quick i mean when we talk about dollars that are invested in the watershed with these watershed projects and nonetheless i mean all the other programs and whatnot but when you say $5 $5 million, $8 million invested into that watershed. A, a high majority of those dollars are paid to those landowners, which are then used and paid back in the community, whether it's shopping, mm-hmm. new uh, machinery, grocery shop, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. a lot of those dollars, a high majority. And it would be cool to do a research to see how much of our cost share, how much of our payments are sent out and how much is returned and invested back into our home mm-hmm. community here. In Howard County I mean I think that's a, something that needs to be um, put on a research project at some sort and seeing how well, much uh, percentage yeah. wise well especially like all the
1: uh, like all the earthwork that we do the cement projects the, the manure pits I mean these are some big dollars on um, the grass waterways all that so we've probably got seven or eight different contractors in the community that uh, bid on these and they're and awarded these projects so obviously they have people that they hire. So these dollars are spinning within the community quite a bit. Um, but, you know, back to the practices um, like cover crops, um, you know, we've been really fortunate in Silver Creek. We've got up to where we're um, at that fifty five and a half percent, you know, so it, it kind of grew kind of expo, exponentially. Um, like I said, seven years ago, there might have been a thousand acres and, you know, I was like, oh, cool. They're doing some cover crop. Well, then we really got into it with the equip program and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then about three years ago, we were up to like uh, 27%. A couple years ago, we were at 36%. Last year, we were up to 43%. So after last year, I was like, wow, hey, we're getting pretty darn close to attaining our goals. Looked at our list of people that still wanted funding. Um, we had this, like Hunter had the, the MRBI extra fundings um, through EQIP. I wrote for another program called the NWQI, National Wire Quality Initiative. Um should have yeah, there I go. I, I I gotta just stay away from these acronyms because I screw them up every time. Anyway, it's good money and uh for cover crops. So anyway, um we thought, well, geez, we're gonna really blow it off. So we did, we we shot right through that 50% mark and we're at 55 over 55% now. So that's pretty cool. Um then like the CRP, um, you know, talking about farm the best buffer the rest. Um, I was at a conference one time and they were talking about return on investment and there is probably they thought between 10 and 15% of of all uh, farmland has a negative return on investment. And that's usually what it's either flooded out, it's eroded, um, it's super dry, sandy, gravelly, um, for whatever reason, gullies. Um, So um, that was kind of I kind of put that in my mind. It's like, hey, that's kind of a target. You know, if we take some of these areas that are Um, not returning uh, the best for the farmer uh, financially um, it can have a benefit of helping the water improve the water quality too so right now we're at about 16 percent of the the tillable tillable acres in the watershed area um, in CRP and a majority of that is the native prairie grasses so they got some nice nice root systems that help not only help with the surface water and, and that but they're also um you know it's the, some of the stuff that you don't see that has these benefits too you got the deep roots so that water trans uh, moving laterally through the the horizon too um and then the grass waterways i mean we've we've always they've been a proper practice um like hunter said we enjoy going out uh i love being in the field um and, and surveying and laying these out and it's it's not just being in the field it's like seeing the difference is that what happens you know we're, we're out in these um some of these are pretty horrendous i mean some people have a very high threshold for pain because we were just talking about the the expensive machinery and things to cross some of these gullies with that i and just the the slowing down of the efficiency of harvest and planting but anyway um since in these 13 years we've in my watershed i've been keeping track and we've got over 30 miles of waterways constructed now in Um, We're probably going to do a podcast just about waterways sometime, but in 2020 in the whole county We did 110 water water grass waterway projects Which amounted to over 30 miles of waterways in one year, but a cumulative in my 22,000 acre watershed um, We we've been able to construct over 30 miles just in that over the last 12 years So like I said the the tremendous sediment reductions of you know, you figured all those acres in that 30 miles um, how many tons of soil is, is remaining on the land. Um, and then, um, you know, then another big part of our projects, and, um, you know, and this is the reason we're doing this podcast, is the information and education aspect of it. Um, so in our budgets each year for our projects, we have uh, a certain amount of dollars set aside, and we use it for all different kinds of things. Obviously, you see our posters in the background here, um, thanks to uh, Science and Designs and Patty. Um, helped us get those printed out. But so um, we do brochures, we do mailings, um, you know, we got a we'll have a, a, um, a kind of a push on something, you know, when, you know, later in December, we'll probably get the new numbers out for CRP and some of that stuff. So what we'll usually do is do a, a postcard or a, a short letter, and kind of say, hey, this is some of the programs available. Um, cover crop time, we do that. Um, we do a push on grass waterways. I've done pushes on uh, this, the uh, septic systems and stuff. So that's, that's one aspect of getting our information out. But the other thing is, and what we really enjoy doing is going to these, um, Fezzles Forever, um, some of these different, uh, app venues and having our, just dis- our display, uh, set up. We've got a couple tables we set up fair with booth. our, in our fair booth. We have, uh, some boards that we put a lot of information on and pictures. We love doing pictures of our stuff. So, and we have that interaction with the public. Um, also, our outdoor classrooms, um, we, we go out to the um, grade school students during our Natural Resources Day that the Soil and Water District does every spring with the third graders, I believe it is. Um, we have an opportunity with the Howard County Conservation Board to do fifth grade uh, Natural Resource Day in the fall. Um, then Dale Dandler's uh, high school classes, we really enjoy taking them on watershed tours and out at Lake Hendricks. So that's, that's another big part of us is is that information and. Education, um, which is a lot of fun. Another aspect of that and I'll do a shout out for Steve Hopkins. Um, He uh, has been spearheading the. um, The uh, signage on on streams and watersheds. Um, So um, way back, gosh, this was like maybe 15 years ago. We did our our initial um, uh, signage project um, and we selected several of the county roads in the county um, and got most of our major streams covered. Um, we had a grant from Farm Beer that time. Um, and since then, um, Steve Hopkins helped out with all of our state highways and federal highways, getting those bridges um, signs up. And now <clears throat> Hunter, especially in his watershed, was just awarded a grant um, through the DNR to uh, get more signage up in the turkey river headwaters and Chioc creek mm-hmm. so um so some of that money i'm, I'm going to plan to get a few more signs up in my watershed i think there's i went through and i think i've got like maybe 12 bridges in howard and winchester county that um don't have signage on yet so i'd love to get those up there and that just helps people be aware you know it's getting that education out that we do live in those watersheds and here's the stream this is the bridge you're crossing and, And what's happening in this area is going to end up in in that stream. Um, And then another item in our budget is training opportunities. And, um, you know, we could, you know, it's one of those things we could be in the field working every day and doing what we need to do. But it's going to those conferences. Um, We just got back from the Iowa Water Conference in Dubuque. Um, We were there for three days. And um, it kind of recharges my batteries. I know it gives us a lot of inspiration to get back and and uh, get out there. But it also gets us to share with our colleagues around the state and our agency staff um, exactly what we're doing and how we're doing. It puts that personal touch on it. Uh, I think we're all kind of sick of the Zoom meetings that we had to endure for the during the COVID crisis. Um, and it's nice to get back to where we, we do a lot of networking with our colleagues and getting meet some of those new project coordinators and kind of share some of our knowledge with them. Um, and, uh, so we've got our regular pra- uh, training trains. We go to, um, one of my favorite ones is the swim. Uh-huh. it's not learning about how to swim. It's called the stream and watershed integrated management workshop. Hey, I got that one right. And I wrote it down. I knew that question was coming up. So I was going to make sure to impress you with that. Um, so the swim and that's held out, um, that's put on by the Iowa DNR and Iowa state university and it's out in Western Iowa and it's a four day uh training um this last summer ryan stefan and i went to it uh, i know hunter's attended it with me Deco rasmussen has uh, Dave they puffered it i mean i think this was the fifth time i've taken this training but it's so good it it starts out with the more geomorphology of iowa and and why our, our landform is the way it is and this, how the streams work and there's some hands-on we get in the stream um, we're doing um, that learning how to do that rascal assessment. What are you looking for? And what do you do to correct uh, some of the, the problems that we see? So that's probably one of the, the better ones. Um, then we have this Watershed Academy for the last several years. <clears throat> Iowa State Extension has had received a grant to put on what we call the Watershed Academy. They have one in the spring and one in the fall. It moves around a bit. It's been kind of focused around Boone, Ames area. Um, Last couple, we've been down in that uh, Des Moines area. We were out at the Neil Smith um, uh, Natural Heritage uh, 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 Prairie um, this spring. Or was that this fall? Spring. That was in the spring. So anyway, so those are some really good ones. Um, And then Hunter and I kind of went to an advanced one. Um, Our area engineer invited us to go to a a DNR um, training that was put on pretty much just about stream bank. Um, well, it kind of it, it's kind of an advanced form of the swim training. It kind of really gets into the nuts and bolts and the actual designing of, of stream banks and why we do that. So those are kind of cool and probably one of the the, the best ones that uh, Hunter and I got involved with is um, as part of the Iowa Soybean Association, which they put on some really good uh, conferences also.
0: <clears throat> and I'll just jump in real quick. I mean, um, I went to college at Upper Iowa and obviously went to school for conservation, but a lot of the things that you need to know here on the job are not things you learned at school. And uh, I'm not trying to put down accredited universities and stuff like that. I just got a text from um, Dr. Stoffel the other day that she's putting it on her uh, list of sources and stuff for the students to list to. So don't by any means not go to school for this way, because I mean, a lot of times it is a requirement to have a four year degree or some sort of background or number of credit hours and stuff like that for different classes. And so it's definitely a must, but. I mean, it's really important to get out there and do these on-the-job trainings and learn from your colleagues, learn from your peers, get yourself kind of put out there and go to different things. Maybe you're not um, knowledge-based in or have any interest in, but you need to know it for the job. I mean, there's a lot of different things we deal with, deal with and so that's why you need to go to these conferences, these trainings and stuff, is the different breakout sessions may have a wide range of um, areas or interests. Something's going to be used in your job at every one of those. So. I mean, it's really important to go to school, get that baseline knowledge, but then it's even more important to make sure you're getting yourself involved in these uh, trainings, on-the-job experiences and things like that. Yeah, and, you know, the the list goes on.
1: I think, I don't know, I would say we probably go to about eight conferences a year, um, usually just an overnight one. Um, Another one that's really good is the Driftless um, Symposium that's put on in lacrosse, and that's by Trout Unlimited. And DNR, and that's a really good one. That's kind of a tri-state one. So you got people from Wisconsin, Minnesota and Iowa. What's really neat about it is you get to see um, what are other states doing to work on streams and water quality and things. Um, So that's always kind of fun to go to also. But like I said, one of the funnest ones we ever got involved with was with the Iowa Soybean Association. And uh, we were asked to represent Iowa at the One Water Summit down in Austin, um, Texas. And it was like a five or six day conference. And what was really neat about that is it brought people from um, the water quality world together from all over the nation. So we were sitting down at a table and you might have the waterworks person from Houston, Texas, was who was in charge of all the water for the city. Um, And then you're talking to people from Oklahoma who have, uh, you know, they're, they're dealing with droughts and, and lack of water. And here we're in Iowa talking about drainage tile and why we have to like get rid of our surplus water. And they're like, hey, can you pipe that down to us? Um, but anyway, so that was a very interesting one. So we've had some opportunities to really expand our knowledge of what we do. And, and we do a lot of that. Um, another really neat thing that NRCS has is the Ag Ag Learn um, is kind of an online courses that you can take. Um, a wide number of uh, everything from. How to seed prairie to um, waterways to what? How um, water monitoring works, nutrient management works. Um, so what that is is it's an online class. We kind of sign up for them. We kind of we kind of maxed out on that. We took a lot. Of, we've got a binder that's like that full with all of our certificates for taking. <coughs> taking a lot of these classes so. Um, So yeah, so it's a continuing education, not only to inform the public for it, but for us to be informed so that we can better deliver our project um, dollars and practices and and do them in the best, uh, best way and um, and get those management practices on the ground. Um, And then of course in our budget, we always have like supplies such, which usually includes waders, temperature monitors. um, Some of that stuff. We even got a fence post puller. Um, We put up a lot of cover crop posts, uh, signs, so we put these posts out and um, now that we don't have Dalton there, to pull them out by hand, uh, Hunter and I, we got this jack that kind of pulls them out. So we, we invested Although in that. it seemed
0: like we were pulling out a lot of them. Wow. He, he didn't quite have the man strength at this point. He was just a little boy. Since yeah. then, he's maybe graduated to man status. But well, I guess. we got to show him what a man can do and pull a post out. Sometimes. Well, it was a lot easier using the, the little mechanism <laughs> there. I thought that was kind of neat. Although I did thoroughly enjoy sitting in the truck and watching Dalton really, really struggle. Yeah, he... On some uh, of those. And then I, I'm assuming he probably <coughs> loosened them up a little bit out there. And then you just got to get out, kind of shake it off and... Yeah. I watch this, Dalton. Hold, hold my coffee and watch this and pull it and out with my right fingers. Out. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: uh, so, anyway, so that's kind of our supply stuff. Um, but then, uh, like, like I said, um, especially the Hunter's Project, my project, we've kind of gotten to where we've got this bandwagon effect where, um, yeah, we're still informing the public and kind of stuff. But a lot of it is peer to peer information and uh, seeing by doing and doing by seeing. And so you, you see a lot of it can be as simple as a grass waterway. You build a grass waterway in the neighbors and then the neighbor comes in the next year and they say, hey, I'd like to continue that on through my farm or the cover crop phenomena where we've got people that have, are either much more receptive to it now because they've seen it or they come to us and ask if they have it. So um, so that's pretty nice. <clears throat> and then as far as like benchmarks and and the reporting, um, you know, we've talked about that. And like we said, we, we could probably put water monitoring as a, a podcast onto its own. But a lot of that is documenting what we're doing. I mean, we, we like to share that information. We want to show progress and we do have progress. And when we're like we started out, we talked about this is the uh, taxpayers dollars that we're using to improve this waterway. Um, and improve the water quality. So we want to make sure we're, we're doing that. So, um, like I said, Hunter's done a great job of keeping track and putting putting all that information into a document. I'm not quite there yet. I got all the information. It's it's, uh, I do a kind of a, a summary of each year, but Hunter's got a pretty nice, uh, a document that he's put together now that he'll be able to add each year to it. Um, it's pretty nice.
0: And we talk about a lot of numbers a lot <clears throat> of photos and stuff like that, but Um, It is really important for us to be able to report back or put those numbers out there to whether it's our agencies the public the community and different things like that Um, It is important because like you say it is taxpayers dollars. We are working for the public We are working for someone we are trying to deliver a service of some sort and so if we just did our job and yeah, you might be getting things done, but if you don't actually report it out or um, sometimes you just got to kind of gloat about it and it is important because they need to know that great projects are getting done Um, whether it's to the the commissioners, the supervisors, whatever it is, it is pretty important. I mean, then it kind of does have its fringe benefits and we haven't really talked about it much, but um, we both won the Watershed Coordinator of the Year and I think it's for a reason. It's because there are some pretty impressive numbers out there. We have done some really awesome projects and sometimes there are coordinators out there that sometimes just need a little bit of hope or a little bit of gusto behind them and to be able to have kind of that top tier and know what's up there and what to work for Um, creates a nice little level of competition and that's kind of what Neil and I have is we have a a friendly competition between each other where we're trying to outdo each other one, Mm -hmm. one day at a time, one practice at a time, but in the end goal, we're all trying to do the same thing. And that's really important that, um, we're able to put those numbers and those projects and those photos out there Mm -hmm. for people to see what what's going on.
1: Well, and it comes right down to is how do we do this and it's trust. Um, we're developing a trust and a working relationship with our clients and you know they're depending on us to you know find out how to 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 go about doing this i mean um i've always said you know project coordinator that's about the perfect name on uh, coordinating all the aspects of this the funding sources the the practice making sure the design is right the seating plans um and communicating with their contractors who they choose working with them and, and having a good end result so there's a lot of uh coordinating that goes on but you know building that trust up and that that's that's you know and it can start simple I mean I've used this example in the past before Um, one time I was talking to an agency staff and they said oh you've done like three windbreaks oh that's nice but what's that got to do with water quality I said well you know what it's see it's insignificant as far as like numbers for reducing nitrates or sediment and things like that but what it did and this individual you know, we did a, you know, $1,500 windbreak and, you know, went through the process of application getting approved, um, got their their planting plan. They they got it planted. They got their funding done and they got paid, you know, a very smooth process. The next year came back. We did a grass waterway a little bit bigger. It was probably about $12,000 project and same thing. Everything went smoothly. And uh, then we did a field of CRP. Well, then we started getting into their uh, livestock and we did like a, I think it was a one hundred and fifty thousand um, dollar building that we did. a am building. And then we went up to like a half a million dollar manure pit. I mean, it, what it did was it developed that trust. Yeah, it wasn't that great of an impact on the water quality, but what the end result of all the stuff we've done now over the last 10, 15 years with this with this family has uh, really done but what it did is it, it built up a tremendous amount of trust and and um, that working relationship so that you know we like working with new people but also a big part of it is having repeat customers <clears throat> so you want to have a satisfied customer who will come back it's just like running a store you're gonna to have to you know we're selling stuff off our conservation shelves here and uh, so we want to continue that but as far as like reporting i i know some project coordinators like, oh my gosh, you gotta do another report and blah, blah, blah. But honestly, it's kind of nice because you kind of are able to put in a list and kind of categorize what you've done, what the, where the money has been. So that when you do have uh, state legislators or, um, people in the community or even naysayers kind of say, well, what are you doing? We can go right to one of these reports, go right through it. I know annually we report to our county supervisors. and. It's kind of a different time of year. It's there, they're on a calendar year. So we take our, our, what we've done in the fall and what we did that previous year and we, we create a very nice document, which not only for that county supervisors, but we use it, uh, continue on with um, some of the other people that we we talk to. So um, I like doing reports. Today we're gonna have a commissioner report. Um, I usually put a lot of pictures in it and uh, that kind of stuff too. So, all right. So we're getting kind of wrapped up here. We're getting down to the last few minutes, and I think Hunter wants to play this little game where he wants to ask me these rapid-fire questions to try to stump the pro- coordinator. I came prepared. <coughs> I got my list all put together. Yeah, he never told me about this ahead of time. I had no. To...
0: I did tell him ahead of time. It I wasn't was listening. It was in, I, no, you weren't no, listening. Was no, included I included in an email. This oh. is the one thing you're gonna find out about Mr. Neal. He's the smartest dumb guy you're ever gonna meet. And the easiest I off contact items. and I want to
1: acknowledge what you're asking me. So if you me, need so. to
0: get a hold of Neil, text him, don't call him, <laughs> yeah. don't send don't him la- an email. Don't leave a message, I do if not answer. If you do send an email, message. follow up with a text.
1: Yeah, I like text, that's instant. All so right, give me some questions.
0: I'm going four minutes. I'm putting a new stipulation on it, though. You can only use one word or less than one sentence answer. Oh, That's no, good for me because no I'll no elaborating. elaborating. Otherwise, we're all only going to get one question and we're Great. not going to get anywhere. So one word. It's like trivia pursuit, or <clears> what pretty, is much, it? pretty much, pretty much, pretty right. much. And at the end of the day, you still pass. Congratulations, we're giving all participation banners today. Great!
1: I want my white. <laughs> I want my white ribbon.
0: So I'm gonna send. I'm gonna put the timer. Four minutes. We're gonna see how quickly. I got. I don't know. I think there's maybe ten here. We'll see if you can get through them all. And I did not see these questions ahead of time. Oh no! Nope. Here we go four minutes on the clock ready set. what is your favorite specific project completed to date stumped the man right on the
1: first one i would say it'd be um the ag waste uh dairy barns we did for a couple of our producers just that which eliminated the open lot and uh just to see the cows inside was kind of nice if you
0: could only use one practice what would it be grass waterways who is your conservation idol? Ray Archuleta. What is your least favorite thing to do at work?
1: Read emails.
0: If no one knows, insert, man's got probably 5,000 unread emails. Oh, more than that. <laughs> uh, would you move to another county to do this work? No. How much money would it take to bribe you to go to another county? None. I I wouldn't leave. I'm not going in. Million dollars.
1: No, I'm Million not going in. Job satisfaction
0: is more. What if one day free. they said you're fired, you have to go to a county? What county are you picking?
1: If I had to pick a county, I would say probably Chickasaw. Chickasaw guy.
0: Favorite place to travel? Washington, D.C. Favorite food?
1: Chicken wings.
0: What is your favorite task to do at work?
1: Oh, I love filling out applications. To getting preparing applications for farmers.
0: Uh, toughest project you've had to work on in the last twenty years that actually got completed. Wow! toughest this project. Hmm.
1: Oh, uh, I I would say that there's been um, probably. Um, some of the stream bank projects, just the the number of hurdles that we have to jump over, um, and and that's not um, landowner or, or uh, natural aspect. It's just um, uh, process. The process, I'd
0: say. What is the most interesting thing about yourself that no one knows?
1: Hmm. I'm a huge history buff. Love history.
0: I'll also go in. The guy's got a picture of mine. Oh, yeah. I got a photographic photo- memory. It is like, impressive. It's, yeah. He could remember what he was doing when he was two years old, sitting in front of the TV and what TV show was on. Great. It's, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, it's kind of crazy. If you could switch lives with one person, who would it be? Oh, wow. Switch lives with one person. Hmm.
1: So it could be like someone that's already passed. Anyone. Good luck the man again. You did stump me. I really don't know. I like being me.
0: The man likes himself. Last question. You got fifty-seven seconds to answer. Right. What drives you to show up every day and the things you do? Oh,
1: I mean, well, I've honestly told people before. Friday afternoon, I'm kind of sad because we gotta can't come back to work till Monday. But um, I just, I think the biggest thing is just it's so different. Each day is different. Um, you never know. I mean, you have a general idea what we're going to be doing. Like today, we got a commissioner meeting um, so we're, We'll be preparing for that or we'll have a deadline. Like last Friday was a deadline for Equip. So we were like making sure that we had all of our applications for people that wanted to do practices this coming year. Um, but I would just say a lot of it Well, plus the, the people that I work with, I, you got awesome people, you got Hunter and, and all the, the crew here. Um, they're just so pleasant to be around. Um, but I would just say it's it's every day um, Yeah, there's a few challenges, but uh, what what hasn't there's a challenge in every aspect of life, but we do Time. Um, uh, well, anyway the, it's because it's so uh, different each day. That's yeah.
0: that's why I come back So, I mean there you go. You, you've hopefully got a little bit of an idea of what a watershed is maybe you live in one of our watershed projects um, I know there's a lot of people out there sharing this on Facebook and stuff, so thank you very much. Uh, hope you're enjoying it. If you are listening to it and there's something you like, you don't like, um, something you want to see, maybe you want to get on screen here, let us know. Um, we see you guys out there sharing this. We appreciate it all. Um, now we got to take the next step and we got to figure out how to edit this dang thing. <laughs> yeah, we
1: had, we had a couple technical difficulties here um, with this this morning. Yeah. Uh, it was running pretty smooth in the past, so uh, we got to... One of those challenges will will be uh,
0: we'll figured we'll out so it. might take us till wednesday to get this thing yeah. uploaded but we're going to get yeah. it there nonetheless and well and worst case scenario we'll just have to reshoot the whole thing and start from, <laughs> start from scratch
1: so i was just thinking about one of the other aspects of doing these podcasts is for people that haven't worked with us maybe it'll get them a chance it's kind of an icebreaker i think and a kind of an introduction to both our personalities and and how we would like to work with so i think we're pretty uh we're pretty harmless we're pretty uh congenial and easy to get along with so when well, we're going to um, start
0: making a list as far as how many people have referenced our podcast with questions to work i mean we've already got one guy who's interested in an srf loan he mm-hmm. had no clue about the program he's been wanting to do it he's on the edge of expanding he's on the edge of trying to clean it up and he goes hey i listen to your podcast he goes explain this srf to me for me and he said, Perfect. Oh, here it is and boom now we're going to be working on an application for if him here that's and if we only get one, one
1: one new, uh, practice or new, uh, individual comes in because of this, I think we've already achieved our goals. So.
0: Absolutely. We're above and beyond where we're, uh, what we kind of intended to do. This was supposed to be something educational and in- informational for us as well, um, and trying to get that word <coughs> out there. So we're working on it, doing our best and, uh, trying to deliver the best information and content that we can, but we're going to sign off here. Um, episode number five of beyond the dirt podcast.